Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, fellow travellers, and welcome to Baldur's Gate 3. Why, well, this isn't Baldur's Gate 3, is this a podcast about Baldur's Gate 3? I don't know, I'll try to... Is that how Dungeons & Dragons work? Do people speak like that all the time, Matt? Uh, I mean, it depends on what your DM is like, but you are welcome to, to be a slightly more theatrical DM that welcomes uh. the travellers and says that you must gather your party before venturing forth. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably just speak like this, to be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jesse, how are you? I'm I'm doing all right. Slightly ill, Good. but you know what? Baldur's Gate has kept me going. Uh, aren't, we, aren't we all? Aren't we all slightly ill? <laughs> um, we've all been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate three. Um, mm. Good game in it. We'll probably delve deeper into that uh, in a bit, but yeah, mainly going to talk about that this week. We'll talk about a couple other little things, but uh, let's just let's waste no time. Baldur's Gate three, Matt. You've been looking forward to this game for God knows how long. Um, this is pretty much, you know, if you had to like draw up a dream game, would this be up there for you? Yeah, it's it's like it's it's very obviously as anybody knows that listens to this, like RPGs mm. and immersive sims are my bag. Well, this is like a mesh of the two, right? Like it's mm. got mm-hmm. all the do what you want bits of an immersive sim while having all of the very rich storytelling and character builds that you get out of an RPG. Yeah, it's, and uh, what Div- Divinity Originals into Larian's last game? Mm-hmm. Was it the last game for this? Yeah. Is you know, I think you said before, perhaps your favourite game. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like between that and sort of Dishonored Two. Like it's a very close kind yeah, of call yeah. between the two. Um, like yeah, you're only early on, but like, can you can you see? Is there any chance that this may overtake Divinity at this point? Uh, ooh, um, it's a big question for so early on. I will say I do think it will. And that's partially okay. because I just think that it's better written than Divinity. And I think Divinity mm-hmm. is like really well written. And Divinity's got really good characters. But I'd say the actual kind of overall hook of what happens in Baldur's Gate, I think it's just a little stronger. And mm-hmm. it builds on everything that Divinity was good at as an RPG. And so yeah, I say I'm very... So complete clarity i am about 10 hours in at the moment yep i'm about the same um we unfortunately didn't you know for anybody that's wondering like well where are all the reviews uh, we got code like maybe about three days ago <laughs> and this is what 100 hour at least game yeah probably mm-hmm. um yeah. but uh, the signs are good i think i think this is yeah, a yeah. very strong it's one of the best rpgs at least from the initial hours that i've played in mm-hmm. uh, basically since uh yeah. well since disco elysium let's say mm. yeah i'm yeah, I'm like similar time in. I got like th- maybe 30 to 40 hours into Divinity Original Sin 2 and was really enjoying it. I just trailed off other mm-hmm. things happened in life, you know. One day, who knows, maybe I'll pick it back up. But I was really enjoying it. I will say I think Baldur's Gate 3 
has already made a much better, stronger impression on me. Mm-hmm. I already like the characters a lot more, I think. Um, I think they do a great job at introducing those. And it seems a bit friendly. I know Divinity ha- has a, a, like a playful tone as well, yeah. but like straight off the bat, this is kind of like jokey and kind mm. of just very silly and weird and funny. I felt like there was um, a lot more hatred for everyone in Divinity and a lot of races <laughs> just like, I'm going to kill you next time I see you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Divinity starts when, you know, the second one, you know, Original Sin 2, which is the one that they're most famous for, um, that you're literally on an island. It's basically a concentration camp for magic users. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't not- start out in the most pleasant of regions where Baldur's Gate 3 starts out on... Uh, it's a little bit more traditional RPG, I suppose, in the fact that it starts on a big kind of very epic sort of explosive mm-hmm. prologue mm. that then calms down to let you find your bearings. But, you know, you are put out into a forest sort of area and there's plenty of characters to go and find... Mm-hmm. dozens of side quests it's very open but there's a focus to it right in the way that kind of the best bioware games have got exactly and i will say like this isn't like you know it was going to be almost inevitable that matt you'd love this game and think to an extent that i'd find a lot to enjoy in it but jesse you've raised the head in this game and like this isn't typically your sort of game is it but you're you're loving it. yeah like i think i think for me and um well, I think to like RPGs, usually like when it comes to sort of top tier experiences that I love, it's usually Disco Elysium or Vampire the Masquerade, Bloodlines, like RPGs of that caliber that put so much um, care into their respective worlds, you know, like the characters, the amount of freedom of choice you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not necessarily like I'm addicted to, you know, the combat or anything in particular like that, but the within Baldur's Gate 3, the amount of flexibility you have is just like, mind-boggling and being able to because I, I love passing through like dialogue skill checks whether you're using intimidation or deception stuff like that and there's just there's so much freedom it it's it's hard to comprehend because when you sort of explain to someone like there is so much you can do or say in a game like this like, it's, it's kind of overwhelming but it's it's not overwhelming in a negative sense but so far yeah. i've put 27 hours into it and i'm on act three already just at the start of act three but that's that's not um at the detriment to like the game's length. It is very much the specific character I've played has allowed me to get past many things in well, a not so positive way. We'll discuss kind of like uh, what characters we've made in a bit, but I think t- the the thing that feeds into that is, you know, this is an RPG that very much respects the character that you build, mm. um, mm-hmm. and so therefore, you know, when you're saying about skill checks and all of that. almost every conversation has um you've got you know they're built out very much like similar to bioware conversations right in that like cinematic camera it's going between left and right kind of protagonist to to person that they're speaking to and you've got options that what you can say but every character the way that they're built has these extra bits of dialogue that maybe your somebody else's character wouldn't have so for example my character is a cleric and so therefore occasionally when anything to do with kind of like god or religion comes up Mm. i will have unique dialogue that could unlock a unique path through that conversation because suddenly i'm able to have a good chat about about god with people you know (laughs) get on their good side um whereas like you say you can have if you've got skills in in deception yeah that will open that dialogue tree which you can kind of then deceive someone and you know trick them into doing Mm. something and the fact that this is all based around the character that you built it really does feel like whereas you know bear in mind i do love mass effect but in mass effect you play commander shepherd right and there's effectively two versions of commander shepherd there's the paragon (laughs) or renegade version 
in Baldur's Gate, the character pretty much in almost every option is the character that you want them to be. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 quite uh, yeah overwhelming. Maybe uh, in a, like you say in a good way. It's just like I have so much. Yeah. It's more the yeah, the freedom of it is overwhelming. Mm. You're like. And also some of the buttons on the bottom of the screen are overwhelming, but yeah. we'll get to that in a little bit. But, but like, um, like those kind of, like com- the amount of con- conversations you have in this game, like usually, at least from how I've been playing, it's always from the perspective of my character, but you can control any party member you want at any given time and engage a conversation with that party member. So I've been discounting what everyone else could have been saying specifically for my character and what they specialize in. And there's so much of the other game I haven't even experienced yet just because I've been sort of like going down the specific road of what my character wants and what they specifically want to do compared to the wants and needs of everyone else in my party. Uh, I've been wanting to please all my friends. I've just been wanting to please them and get them on the side. Um, We'll talk about party and character makeup in a little bit because that's such a huge part of this game. But yeah, just... Going back to the skill checks, just the, I want to do as many of those as possible because that dice animation is just oh, so, so satisfying good. to watch. And the way you just add the little bonuses and be like, oh, I'm just, so yeah. that role, I never skip it. So, I want to watch so it. So for anybody that cool. hasn't played like a dice check sort of based system before, mm-hmm. essentially what happens is, is so say, Cardi is a goblin in the world, let's say. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and I come along and I'm trying to, let's say, he won't let me into a dungeon and I really want to get past. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to stab you, Cardi, because I'm not that kind of person. But I want mm. to mm. persuade you to let me in. So what it would be is that you could choose the persuade skill. Uh, and then basically the game will tell you how difficult that is. And so that might be that, like, because Cardi is a goblin, but he's like a reasonably sort of like... Smart. Sorry, Cardi. Could have been an goblin. Could have been a person. Do you want to be an anyone? All right, then. Cardi is an elf, and I need to get past him. And so, but he's 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 intelligent, right? So this it's always dealt on a twenty side. You roll a twenty sided dice, and so if it's a difficult check, it might be a you know you have to roll fifteen or over, and just the tension of rolling that dice and trying to get the the fifteen. There's that there, but then there's elements of oh, your character is better at persuasion than a lot of other characters are. So you get like a plus three bonus. Mm. So when you mm. roll it, you might not actually get the 15 you need, but if you've got 12 and then you get that plus oh, three, oh, that feels, feels good. Because it does like these spark effects. Yeah. Like the dice yeah. actually rolls on screen and then you get the sparks and the little fireworks as it adds the bonus. But it's then very it, nice. you can also like some people have skills that can also add better dice rolls onto it. So for example, yeah. if you've got guidance, you'll then roll another D4 after, so a four-sided dice, and that'll add whatever that is on top. Like, mm-hmm. But it's the tension, right, of the dice roll. Mm. Yeah, it's just how good are you at playing it truly? And like, <laughs> say you get a dice roll wrong, are you are you are you safe scumming? Is what I'm basically saying. Are you are you going back, or are you just taking your journey as it as it goes? So I have done a little bit of safe scumming in terms of kind of like if I've done something that because the combat is reasonably tricky. Like it's it's it yeah it, it yeah, it's it not it's not straight up like absolute full strategy oh, game. First couple but, of battles yeah. I went into, I once like I was in out in the world, I I died and I was like oh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not getting. And that's where we'll we'll talk a bit about combat mm-hmm. later because that is the one bit of the game I'm not 100 percent sold on, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, sorry. But, I, I tell you but the, my point there is that kind of like if I've done something where the conversation has led to the point that there's now 13 enemies, to <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. then I might save scum. I accidentally, I accidentally did that. There's a bit where you can 
talk to a goblin in a cage and I went the wrong way with that and I had a whole settlement after me <laughs> uh, which was not what I wanted for my story so I was like okay I'm going to let myself off it because mm-hmm. I genuinely and that's that's to the credit of the game like it's not clear you know they don't put an angel and a devil symbol next to things so you know like <laughs> yeah. it's not Mass Effect you know this isn't the good choice or the bad choice yeah. it can be a bit vague and that's like mm. the joy of it at the same time but sometimes you're like oh no 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 that's not <laughs> that's not what I wanted the only other time I saved Scunt was because I really wanted to t- I have the one of my characters I have Will in my party mm-hmm. who can talk to animals uh, and I just really wanted to talk to this dog and I failed the skill check so I was like no well let's do this again because <laughs> yeah. I want to talk to the dog um, but yeah, yeah. I, I get, yeah, very similar. I try to abide by the dice because that's part of the fun, isn't it? Is a, yeah. is is kind of yeah. like adapting to the situations that come out of you. That's you know that's obviously a very RPG thing, but it's also slightly immersive simmy in, mm. in that way. Um, but yeah, when things go terribly wrong, I'm I'm perfectly happy to to reload. Yeah. yeah. Um, should we talk about our characters? Let's do that because it's a key part. You know, just get to know us. Um, <laughs> Jesse, you're, you're, you said you went with the Dark Urge, which is a yes. very interesting... I was tempted by it, uh, but I steered clear because I didn't want to be controlled by whatever this thing is. Yeah. Tell us about the Dark Urge. So the Jesse. Dark Urge is a character origin which you can choose because basically when it comes to creating your own character, you can just sort of have your own custom character or you can go from a bunch of different presets. But one of those presets is the Dark Urge, which still allows you to fully customise your look, your race, um, your background, whatever. But the Dark Urge is a character origin which translates into specifically my warlock having this sort of disgusting, murderous past and almost like a hunger for like death, gore, blood and all sorts. And throughout the game, you're presented with a lot of choices. And sometimes you don't even have a choice um, in a lot of the times which can fuck things up where (laughs) you can either suppress the urge or just let it out completely. Um, And that can lead to a lot of grim situations which i specifically wanted going in i didn't want to have <laughs> um, an easy playthrough but um the dark sounds a little bit like your dexter from the tv show dexter mm. he's got his like uh yeah what's he call it his um his dark passenger uh, dark passenger <laughs> that's it, yeah yeah but it's have it, you been letting it happen or suppressing? oh no it? i've absolutely been and I've, I've let it go all the way to the darkest point i can possibly do <laughs> or let it get to. And I feel like I have been rewarded with something that absolutely fits my play style, which is great because I don't know, because I'm guessing if if I chose the Dark Urge thing, it's because I specifically want to let that be unleashed, but I don't know what. Yeah, ha- it'd be weird if you chose the dark urge and like, I'm going to suppress it. Yeah, see, but but I, like, that's the thing. There's a I bunch really of dialogue. Like yeah, there's a, there's a oh, bunch okay. of dialogue options which lets you do that, and it makes specific like uh, skill checks or dice rolls like really, really difficult and i don't know if maybe it'll swing in the other way where you might get rewarded in a slightly different way if you're mm-hmm. if you have been suppressing that urge but my character is just like he's committed war crimes at this point and no one can stop <laughs> oh, me no. see the thing i love about the dark urge is this idea of it. it's not just a straight up evil character the dark urge is this where you can it's basically do you want to play good on hard mode or do you want to unleash the worst evil that this game could possibly let you and i really like the idea like i am definitely going to play through as the dark urge kind of once i've Mm. done a playthrough normal and i'm really fascinated to know what it's like to have to try and suppress desperate Mm -hmm. murderous urges that can just essentially take over your body at any time like that sounds really fascinating to me yeah yeah yeah, interesting. What's uh, what uh, race did you pick? What what do they look like? Um, I went with a half elf 
warlock, uh, and they specialize, I think, in uh, medicine, deception, and intimidation. But then even beyond just, like, choosing if you want to be, I don't know, like a half-elf or just a human or an orc or whatever, you then have sub-races as well. So I'm a high half-elf, which allowed me to select a sort of like a free spell that I can cast at will whenever I want. Um, but I could have gone like with a wood elf, which I think increases the amount of movement that's I have. Or... That's, that might be what I want. <laughs> yeah. Uh... But there's, and that's what's crazy. There's just like, I can't remember exactly how many races there are or sub races or even just specific classes you can choose from. But it's, it's just sort of mind boggling, really, mm-hmm. how much is on offer what's, immediately. What, what name did you go for? Did you just go for something stupid? Like, <laughs> I normally go for like my Diablo Four character is just called Egg, but it kind of ruins a lot of the gravity of a lot of situations. Yeah. Um, my character is called Malice. Just thought that sounded like a cool bad like, name. Is it a play on Malice? Kind of, but I just spell like M A L L A S. So I hope that doesn't translate to something really horrible it, in another language. I hope not. You know, let me find out actually. Let's just <laughs> get a definition right now. I'd love if it's like um, <laughs> if, I don't know. Um, it's like, tights and leggings. And to be fair, my character is wearing tights, so that's sort of that sort of works. It all works. There we go. Um, Matt, what did you go for? Uh, so I wanted to um, recreate my character from my D D sort of like games that mm-hmm. i've i've played before um and basically bef- years and years ago um i played through the prequel to Baldur's gate 3 a, a tabletop game called descent into avernus and i wanted to play my character from that but he's an arakokra and they don't have arakokras in this oh, game which is what annoying. is an arakokra an arakokra is have you have either of you seen the D film yet? not yet no, I haven't. No. Um, so they are. The, there's a character in the D&D film called Jonathan who is a giant bird. Yeah, but look. Oh, uh, okay. So Arakokras are bird people, um, but they don't have them. So I have recreated my character that I had before uh, him, who is a dragonborn. So this mm. is kind of like uh, a, a big Skyrim. lizard man. Pardon? No, I just said a Skyrim. Oh, no, he's not a Skyrim. <laughs> Um, so, so a, he's, a, he's a dragonborn cleric called Rangar, uh, and he has been more or less recreated as he was in my my campaign from the start of pandemic. Um, and yeah, so he 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 serves the god Bahamut, like a, a, a dragon god, and, and yeah, he's kind of like um, he's he's pretty he's pretty good, but he is he's at a time in his life where he's been like rejected from no, uh no. from his religion and branded as a bit of a heretic because of the way that he praised them that's my yeah. personal backstory just listening to rem all the time oh yeah yeah terrible yeah. um yeah. and so yeah he's he's on this on this journey with with the rest of the people i love rem by the way it's no slight on rem <laughs> i just want to put i was just making a lose in my religion uh a joke exactly but there we go mm-hmm. let's carry on um so so yeah that's that's who he is so um you know in terms of the the things that he can do a very wisdom focused character so a lot of the the wisdom and his kind of stuff around uh studying religions and studying magical artifacts like any Mm. of that sort of stuff he's pretty good at um that comes at the expense of a little bit of an intelligence stat. So every intelligence <laughs> oh, no. roll... He's a dunce. It's not, it's not that he's a dunce, but every intelligence roll, I have to minus one off it. So oh. he's, he's just Too got... Fair, I think I have that as well. He's just got a slightly softer edge to his brain than, than maybe yeah, That's a nice else. way of putting it. Um, but, you know, in terms of the things he can do, obviously as a dragonborn, it means that he's got a dragon breath. And because he's a blue dragon... Uh, he can breathe lightning breath, so I've got that as a as an ability. 
And then kind of things like I can summon spectral, well, like these uh, weapons of light that can float mm-hmm. around on their own and I can like throw like hal- halberds at people and, and use like... Nice. How are, so I've not met any yet in my playthrough. Like, how are Dragonborn seen seen in this world? Does everyone hate them or love them? Or? Uh, the, they seem to be mostly okay with me. I've had a few okay. kind of comments where it's just a bit like <laughs> I was talking to a goblin yesterday, um, and I had a joke. He was like, "Oh, you can go and I think he was telling me to go off and have like a piss or something like that." To which I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, Dragonborns can't like." defecate or weed <laughs> um, and that's just like a joke that you can tell because i'm fairly sure dragonborn can probably do need to use the toilet um so i don't know so right. but i think because you're a little bit more of a mystical kind of character i think you can kind of like pull people's legs a bit because you're not as common in the world as mm-hmm. like elves and dwarves and humans nice um i went for i am a half wood elf druid Ooh. uh <laughs> And I, I was making them, just making her, and I thought, do you know what? I've been playing a lot of Overwatch 2 recently and getting back into it. Very good at the moment. Very fun to play Overwatch, despite all its uh, missteps. Still very fun to play. And they were looking quite a lot like Ash from Overwatch, so I've called them Ash. Oh. Uh, so there we go. Um, yeah, I, as a druid, obviously I have the power of nature on my side, mm-hmm. and I've just been turning into a polar bear at every I was going to say, have you got wild shape? Yeah, yeah. I, I took the circle of the moon subclass, I think it is. So that means I can turn into a big old polar bear and just claw at people. Basically turn myself into a tank as well. And that polar bear is a really useful ability where you can just goad every enemy so they just attack you. And because they're a tank with like 30 health, it means all your other party members can just do mm-hmm. what they want and attack while you take all the damage. And the good thing about that is as well, when you lose all your health as the polar bear, you just return to normal. You don't die. So you basically get a set. It's a little oh, bit okay. like having Diva's mech if I was to make another Overwatch uh, <laughs> <Right>. comparison. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and lovely things just like turn. I can turn into a cat for one and try and, crawl, and try and get into small spaces. Oh, that sounds useful. Can, yeah. Um, I'm just having a lovely mm. time as a, as a druid, basically. I was going to yeah. ask, how many opportunities have you had to like speak to animals or like crawl into tiny spaces to like sneak past someone or anything like how has being a druid played into your playthrough i spoke i spoke to some ox uh, <laughs> a place i had a nice chat with them i, I did speak to a dog which uh, that dog is now at my camp which oh is nice. that's cool yeah uh yeah i spoke to that there's a if people have seen a clip around we're, we're doing our best here we're not gonna spoil any main spoiler things i couldn't really spoil anything about this game if i tried to be honest because everyone's playthrough is so different but don't know if i've seen that clip of like the squirrel that you can kick and just like kick against a tree and it basically <laughs> explodes um i yeah. just spoke to that squirrel and made like a truce um which was quite funny uh, but, i had um, no choice in the matter when it came to that my character's like yeah. that's what's gonna happen Oh, does yeah. the dark urge just go straight in for I'm it? I'm almost or? certain during that part, because it was quite early on in my playthrough, I was like, oh, this is the first animal I'm going to just try and speak to. I didn't have any abilities to do it, but just to examine it. And I think my character's like, oh, what a lovely, beautiful bit of scenery and such a you know delicate squirrel. And then he just lobbed it to the tree and it just exploded into a gory yeah. mess. And I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, I've also kind of settled on my party, I think, for now, unless I stumble across another companion that I like fall for. But, like, at the moment, I've got my, like, three companions set. And I do like how this is more like, um, I think it's how you described to me uh, earlier this week, Matt. It's much more like Mass Effect. It's like you have your team and you can pick them in and out as you yeah. want for missions, basically. But I've kind of got my mind set for now. Like, you haven't 
found a couple I found yet, but like that's just the beauty of this game, isn't it? You could actually probably never find one or two of these companions if you don't mm. know where to look. I'm, I'm almost certain I've killed two of the companions you've mentioned without even knowing <laughs> they really were companions just because of my character. Yeah. Oh, you've accidentally killed a couple. I wouldn't say accidentally. It was more like I chose to specifically kill these people, but I think there was one person who was sort of going through a portal of some sort and I was wondering how important of a character they were and they stuck their hand out and my character had the urge like what if I just slice their so hand you, off you killed them I get I don't know if they're dead I don't know if they're going to return so, but you've not met them in the what the next 20 hours yeah they could just be in town like you know that sorting out their hand <laughs> so that person I think we can say who that is because that happens in like your first 20 minutes of play and they, they've also shown that section off as part yeah. of a uh, of a demo yeah, and we're all in the early access. Like, we're me and Matt are still in the section you, people have been playing for like three years in early access mm. anyway. But that, so that character is Gale. He's the oh, wizard. Oh, okay. Um, who I very much got on with at the start, but I've recently been having my doubts about, which is, uh, I won't reveal why, but uh, I'm not quite sure about him. But he, he seemed very fun, very nice to chat to, but you just sliced his hand off. I mean, so that's the thing, like, I, I might see him again at some point, just handless, but I don't know yet. Have you been carrying his hand around with you? Yeah, his hand is still in my inventory. I, I don't know what to do with it. Maybe I can give it back to him at some point. I don't, I don't Put it know. in a stew. What you should like do is could. if you, if you can find him, because obviously anything that's in your inventory, you can just chuck just at throw. people if you want. <laughs> yeah. Just throw his Take hand this. back to him. I would be interested to see if he does pop up late. I feel like you would have seen him by now, but I don't know. Who mm, knows? He could be waiting um, for me at Boulder's Gate. Who knows? Which, um, do, is it a spot to ask which other one you killed? I don't know. I'm almost certain I killed the... There was one character that had a really cool introduction. He sort of like slides down a rock. It's sort of like when this... Oh, uh, Will? It was probably Will, yeah. I'm almost uh, certain... He's my, he's my man. I'm certain I murdered him brutally without realising that he was a companion. <laughs> I figured he was a companion because of the cool you, introduction. I don't know how you do that, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, my party at the moment is um, is Will and Shadowheart, uh, who you meet like pretty much the... First or second person? Second person you meet, I think, mm. on, on in the prologue. Uh, she has a really, she's got some stuff going on. I just want to know what her story is. She seems to have a really like interesting mm -hmm. complexity to her, and she carries this weird object around, which I want to know more about. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just getting the feeling from her that she's got a very important role to play in this world compared to maybe some others. So I want to, I want to know that story. Mm. Um. And yeah, Will just—he's a cool warlock who's just more than ever just really useful in battle. And I, I like—I I like him as well. He has a cool. There's a cool bit to his story, which I know Matt hasn't seen yet that I really liked. So I'm going to keep him with me. And then my third party member is Karlak, who I've not found uh, Karlak. Well, wow, you probably never will now. Is your oh, yeah. party like just, you've just you? <laughs> yeah, you've just. This is what you've sped through this game at warp speed. You've not met half <laughs> it's, the people. It's not my fault. I want to kill everyone. Um, but you haven't even found them. I know. That's from, I've got um, Asterian, Shadow Heart, and Lysel right. in my oh, party. Okay. So just pretty the basic party. And are those, uh, and are those your only party members? I found one other person <laughs> who I sort of tricked into being within my party, but I feel like it's. It's sort of bad. I sort of, I sort of killed all of their friends and family, <laughs> um, and then convinced them I didn't do it, and then they wanted to Jesus, join my party afterwards. Um, you, your character is an absolute <laughs> fuck. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I love, I love it. I love you've only got these three people. My my camp. I've only played seven hours. I've already got like seven people in my camp. It is still <laughs> these three guys, <laughs> and even though they give me bad looks, so yeah. yeah. Um, but like. 
Will and Karlak have a really fun dynamic. Mm. And yeah, I like I like having those characters. And Karlak, she's like a big like barbarian class and she's just really strong in combat and I like having her around. So I basically I've got and also Shadowheart has the, the really useful guidance skill for like every skill check. You basically get an extra one mm. like plus one to four for everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so it's useful to have around. But yeah, I'm kind of set for those for now, unless something happens. Like I talk to one of them and I just get my doubts about them again because I'm I'm predicting more than once someone's going to betray me in this game. It's how these games work, isn't it? Someone's going to switch on me or someone's going to do something I don't like and something's going to happen. I'll You've just always... been my character. <laughs> <laughs> you obviously always have the um, telltale style at the top, right? Like when you do things, yeah, people in your party yeah. approve or disapprove. And we know from what Larian have said before and from how kind of like um, their previous games have worked, if you push people, they, they will leave. They will just say that oh, they don't okay. agree with what yeah. you do. So I think, Jesse, yeah. it sounds like you're quite lucky that you found people that are sort of willing to put like up with your shit. I, I, I would say that Asterion, who is, um, I think he's also a high elf and a rogue, um, f- he's really fun to mm-hmm. have around as well. Yeah, like I, he- I gave him like a loot. <laughs> just I, to play with I, I would say that two out of well yeah two people in my party really like combat and death so they don't mind being around me another mm. one not so much but i i've romanced them so now they're just sort of with me it's you've really put sad into, you've put someone oh into a toxic relationship Jesus. to make sure that they it won't sounds like a horror whenever i speak to them they're, they're really happy i'm around now so it's fine Oh, that God. doesn't sound healthy. <laughs> um, I was gonna. I I, I was initially thinking uh, I was gonna. Cause you know, you got. I'm I'm a law person. You got a. You got a. You know, st- if I'm gonna romance someone, I'm gonna romance someone. Oh God, um, I have not. Yeah. <laughs> you just said you're in a. Well, it's it's more like there was a lot of exploration beforehand before we settled oh, on someone. Exploration. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. Killing, killing families. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of, I don't know, my head's been turned by Karlak, which I didn't see coming, I won't lie to you. <laughs> you're, you're into the tieflings, are you? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, the barbarian woman has turned my head, what can I say? Um, but yeah, I just I just want to play more of this game. It's just, mm. like, it's so dense. But like, yeah. to the point, like, and I will say, like, I don't think it's an overwhelming game. But I do think the combat can be a little overwhelming to get your head around at times. Yeah. Like it doesn't really tutorialize that too much, yeah. especially because I think if you start off as a class that's a bit simpler, like a barbarian or something that just has a few abilities. If you're like me, who picked a druid or like a sorcerer or something, yeah. and your bottom bar is just filled with like twelve abilities from the start, yeah. I was a bit like, I don't know what's best to do here. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. So um, uh, our review. Uh, basically straight up says you know we've got a review in progress and says that there's too many spells and i've seen a few people in the comments saying that like like that's a terrible kind of like piece of criticism because that's how many skills are in D. Uh, i think that D probably does already have too many skill skills and spells and therefore i do think there is an o if you get to like uh, i'd leveled up my character and then i'd leveled up gale so you know i've got a cleric and then uh a, a wizard, a wizard. And you spend so much time reading through what all of the, you know, because every time someone levels up, they can now learn a couple of new spells pretty much if they're a magic user. Like having to read through 15, 20 different spells and figuring out what they do. Mm. And bear in mind that I've played a reasonable amount of tabletop D&D, so I know what some of these do. Yeah. 
part of this is D and D's been going for what like since the seventies. So, and it needs to sell lots of books. And how do you sell mm-hmm. books? You put new spells in books, yeah. right? So it's bloated because of the sheer amount of like times it's had to sell new books. Um, and I do think some of that crosses over. I think it w- I understand that Larian are trying to make the most accurate D&D game they could. I do think that maybe it would have been helpful to slightly funnel the amount of choices that you have in in building out your character a little bit at the start i can see it from both ways like Mm. yeah i mean i like having the options it's just like like you said the amount of time i'm just like i don't i just don't know what exactly some of these words even mean and there's not a glossary for some of it i'm just like i don't know what you mean by that yeah i mean like i'm I'm playing on a controller and i can imagine the ui because the ui can seem as um it can switch seamlessly between a controller and a mouse and keyboard when you're playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sort of changes the entire UI, but I've been playing on the controller throughout the entire, uh, like sort of 28 hours or whatever, and it's been absolutely splendid. But whenever combat does happen, I've got, for my main character at least, I think five wheels of spells available. <laughs> and I'm just like, there's so much I can do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time Especially I'm happy- Especially when you can only use like three in a day, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, there's a lot to think about, right? And I don't actually think that the game does a huge amount to explain kind of like, so there are, there are normal abilities that you can like do with your weapon of which you can do anytime, you know, you, yeah. it's a turn-based combat system. So you can do like a stab or, or a hit, you know, once, once per turn, but you can also cast spells, but you can cast like maybe three or four level one spells a day. And you can cast two level two spells a day, but then you also have cantrips, which are, less intense magic spells which you don't get exhausted by using so you can use those over and over again yeah. and it's quite a lot to learn in a small amount of time particularly when characters can come preloaded like when you meet a character for the first time they might have like six or seven different abilities to begin with it's, it's, it's a lot <laughs> it's it is a lot and it's not, it's not my enjoyment of it it's just it does make me it, it persuades me even more to just want to talk my way out of every situation because yeah. I don't mm-hmm. not that I find combat a slog I don't find it a slog by any means yeah. it's just like it's not my favourite part mm-hmm. of the game uh, I, I just got saying it, it was a help uh, the skill check I did last night I <laughs> it was so so the difficulty bear in mind the max is 20 right yeah. well I don't know if the, it might go above no, that no, for no, some. it's because it's 20 sided yeah. dice you can't go any yeah, higher yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was a 19 skill check <laughs> and I got it I got it oh, with a 19 nice. and it felt so good. And basically I talked to these, you probably met them actually. Um, it's in the goblin village, these three ogres. Yes. Yes. They're very so much like mm-hmm. the, the, the trolls from the Hobbit. Yeah. yeah. So I basically persuaded them to help me with a 19 skill check. So they gave me a horn, which I can blow and they'll come and help me in co- combat when I want. <laughs> very good. It's I, I, I don't know that. if it's a yeah. one use or not. Yeah. yeah. That's why it doesn't tell me. I've got that in my inventory and I haven't used it yet. I don't know if I should save it for like a massive battle. Yeah, it's, it's, I, it doesn't say it's one use, Yeah, but it might be. It's, if, if there's sort of moments where it almost feels like, I'm going to compare it to Resident Evil, which I know is classic, but it's more in the sense like I'm saving all this ammunition near enough for like, <laughs> if these big battles are going to occur and whatnot, I'm just sort of hoarding mm-hmm. everything. Um, I, yeah. I did want to ask you guys, like, are there any specific moments sort of immersive sim-esque that's stuck out to you in your playthrough so far? Because there was one sort of thing for me that sort of reminded me of a moment um, in Prey. Like at one point I found myself in a, in a prison sort of separated from my party and I wanted to get to where the prisoners are to kill them, naturally. Um, I wasn't able to pick the lock and I couldn't convince 
um, the guards to let me in either. So I was trying to think like, could I, you know, pickpocket? So yeah, I mean, I could just murder them all, but there was it was sort of in a contested area, and I was like, I'm going to get fucked up if I try that. So. I was thinking I tried stacking some furniture to jump over, but my jump wasn't quite high enough. And I stacked like eight different crates and I was like, holy shit, this is actually working. Um, I could try and like pickpocket the warden, but they're too fucking smart for me. And then I, I, I remember that I had a spell just called gaseous form. And I just turned into a cloud of mist and just went through the bars. And I was like, of course I can do that. But it took me a few minutes just trying to figure out like what is within my arsenal to do that. And then of course the game would let me do that. Mm -hmm. It just, it was really surprising. I don't know if you guys have had any moments like that. I mean, I've done the the classic kind of divinity thing, which is like if you need to, like someone has a key that you need to open a door. So what you do is you get one character to speak to that person. So then, so that the person you're trying to pickpocket is now talking oh, to someone and therefore, you know, their you concentration is that. there. And then you switch to another character that's got a pretty good stealth, you know, ability. Then you crouch behind them and then you steal the key. And hey, presto, mm -hmm. you've got the key. But I did see this morning, I was watching a stream where Matthew Mercer was playing it with Sven oh, okay. Binky, who's the director of the game. Mm. And he had, he was trying to get across a moat onto the, onto a, like a, a tower or on like a castle. Oh, okay. And so he stacked a load of boxes up and then got an arrow, which has got a teleport <laughs> on it and fired the arrow to the other side of the moat. And then that teleported him across. That's so it's insane. got a lot of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really done too much of that outside of combat. I've definitely in combat, like any time there's the ability for me to just put grease on the floor and set it alight, <laughs> I will do it. Or just like shoot arrows onto chandeliers and it'll just like land on people. I'm oh, doing all of that. I didn't like, even think of doing yeah. that. Even being able to talk to someone and then switch to someone else and then kill them. Yeah, all, all of that sort of stuff. But yeah, I've done stuff where kind of like you'll come in and you'll open a door and everybody in the next room suddenly turns around and they're like, they're going to so, so you use the bottles of grease and you can chuck those on the floor. So as they try to get to you, they just slip yeah. up on the grease and then you can just set the grease on fire. Yeah. Oh, we could talk about this game forever, but mm -hmm. the truth is we're barely playing it well not barely, playing it, barely yeah. far into playing mm, it so yeah. i'm at yeah. i'm at a point where kind of in terms of like you know combat obviously has a huge amount of choice but i'm now in like an area which is kind of like this goblin camp where when i think of the amount of choices that i've got and how this could happen it's kind of like um I'm trying to think, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it's a case of like these goblins are going to attack a bunch of good people. Mm. But the options that you've got is obviously there's the very classic, like you, you can go in and stop the goblins, right? Or you could join the goblins and become evil. But even within the kind of like trying to stop the goblins, I'm already assessing kind of like, how am I going to stop them? Because it's not that there's, you know, in even in Bioware's games, which have, you know, good amount of choice, and even in for something like The Witcher, which also has a good amount of choice, generally there's kind of like two or three options, right? And but but there's kind of like a what feels like the canon kind of choice yeah. that pulls you through. And I just don't get that feel. Like, it doesn't feel like anything's canon in Baldur's Gate Three. It feels like just like every option. Like, am I going to go in and decimate every goblin in the camp? Am I going to find the person that leads them? and do like a mm -hmm. surgical assassination and hope that the entire thing falls into disarray. Am yeah. I going to join them and convince them that maybe that I can help them defeat all of these people that they want to kill and then turn on them at the last second? You know, kind of like, I, 
it doesn't feel like the game is pushing me to do anything in the way that storylines of other games do tend to feel like there's a no. vague point that you're supposed to be going to. Yeah, I love that I just don't really know yet what the actual story of this game is yeah. either. Like, I know I've got a personal objective, which will happen at some point. I can't believe that's the 100 hour story of this game. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just, yeah, uh, I'm excited for it to open up even more. I would just, you know, I, I'd, 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 not the dark urge, but I'd urge anyone to give this game a go. Like, I feel like you can, it may, like, on the surface, not be your cup of tea, but like, it's not maybe normally my cup of tea and mm. it's not normally jesse's cup of tea necessarily no, but no. we're both having a fantastic time with it. it is only on pc at the moment uh what playstation about a month yeah so playstation unfortunately coming out on the same day that starfield well it's a couple of days before <laughs> starfield insane. i think but you know none of us have played starfield yet my instincts tell me that this is a much more intricate rpg than what starfield could oh, yeah. ever be i feel like i'm gonna have 10 playthroughs left in this game where they're all going to be entirely different depending even on like the characters you want to play as because correct me if i'm wrong like can you play as because when you're creating a character the origins are available mm. like you can choose if you want to play as lysel or play yeah as- yeah so any of the companions yeah. you could actually choose to play as which means that they're secret stories that when you're playing the game you're trying to coax out of them like shadow heart has a secret i have no idea what the secret is but if you play as shadow heart you're going to know what that secret is from the start and then it's your choice do you tell the other people that you meet? Do you keep it to mm-hmm. yourself? All yeah, of yeah. that. So there's all of those opportunities. I just, I, I think there's a certain. Obviously, this is this is a game that's been in production for like six years. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah. for a very long time, with an awful lot of early access kind of contributions and stuff like that. There's a chance that you know when you get into the second and third act after that first one that it might be a bit too big for its own good in in many yeah, respects who, kn- who knows no one no one has seen the end of this game yet like yeah well, but it I makes a very that's... very strong very strong Ab- first impression absolutely. absolutely and i think like if you like rpgs i would and, and even if you're someone that's like sees the idea of turn-based combat as something that would put you off the combat feels like such a small part of this game in comparison yeah. to mm-hmm. actual so many rpgs are like because they're action-focused RPGs, you go into rooms, you murder everything, and then you chat to the people that are left. <laughs> um, when combat happens in this, it feels like it's a big part of the decision that you made. Like combat, quite often is a is a result of what you decided to do, yeah. rather than just the standard gameplay of the game. Um, I I do think it's one of the most astonishing. At least the, you know the ten hours that I've played mm. is one of the most astonishing sort of achievements yeah. in RPG game design. I will say, like earlier this year, I was like. Starfield is the only game that could take Tears of the Kingdom away from Game mm-hmm. of the Year for me. Mm. If I finish Baldur's Gate or get anywhere near finishing and it carries on this pace, then I could easily I, see this overtaking. I think it already has surpassed anything I've played this year already, for me at least, which is surprising again because it's, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, which is something I've never even, you know, looked at before. It's, you know, turn-based combat and an RPG in general, but mm-hmm. it's really uh, convinced me. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, like Zelda obviously has quite a lot of the uh, similarities to Baldur's Gate in many respects in that like it's a game that allows you to play your way and there's so many kind of those emergent systems and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't help me that essentially there are two RPGs out this year yeah. that do the shit that I like. And still Starfield to come. And still Hopefully. Starfield to come. At that sort of level. Yeah, uh, um, but um, the the narrative thrust that you get through Baldur's Gate, you know, mm-hmm. pushes it over Tears of the Kingdom for me, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Fantastic stuff. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this game again at some point this year, more than once. But yeah, if you're enjoying Baldur's Gate or you've got any funny stories, maybe from the first few hours of the game that don't seem very spoilery, let us know and we'll uh, maybe we'll talk about that next week. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Come. A couple of little things we can talk about briefly this week. Uh, me and Matt, we've made a little PS1, little mini documentary thing that's out today. If you didn't know, it's 90s week at IGN where we've been looking back to the decade that belonged to Spice World. Um, <laughs> but we've been covering some game stuff, some film stuff. We've got stuff on the Turtles. We've got stuff on the Dreamcast. But me and Matt, we focused on the playstation one you did some great interviews with mr sean Layden and andrew house two former presidents at sony who you may have may remember from such events as e3 2018 <laughs> they're, they're on e3 a lot um but not anymore they're both left sony but uh yeah they're both around in the 90s at the launch of the ps1 and maybe you'd like to watch it it's called uh how the playstation changed everything and I think the interesting thing is we don't really... We do talk about the games a bit. Obviously, the games were a massive part of why the PS1 was great. But the actual marketing, when you look back, you forget just how... And the PS2 as well, but you forget the PS1, just how weird and bold some of those adverts were. Yeah, kind of like, you know, if you if you do have time to... How long? It's about 20, almost 20 minutes long, 23 isn't it? 23 minutes? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it, it does dig into this and you'll get to see... Cardi, you've done an amazing job of like plucking out some of the. You did an amazing job. Yeah, but like you've brought it to life with some of these, like the the choices that you've made on adverts are things that like I don't necessarily have nostalgia for the PS One. It's been an interesting thing for me to do because I never owned a PlayStation One. I was a PC kid in the nineties, mm. um, and so this was me kind of getting a bit of a, a, a like a an opportunity to properly deep dive into something I don't really have a huge amount of knowledge about and properly do the research on. But going through those commercials for PlayStation, there are some I definitely remember, one of which hmm. uh, you've you've definitely used, which is that alien-headed Scottish girl. <laughs> Mental wealth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah, it's, uh, it's troubling. I remember that. It's like proper 90s nightmare fuel. But, um, but it has nothing. They don't show a game. They don't mention the word PlayStation. Yeah. It's just 30 seconds of weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the one that I, I just love it. And I think the thing that I figured out when I was watching all of these is I think Europe and England and, you know, the UK got um, got the best PlayStation marketing because it was just... The American one is definitely a little bit edgier, a little bit more attitude-y, whereas ours was just a lot more comedic. So mm. that society, was it a society against PlayStation? 
uh, saps. Yeah. Yeah. With this kind of like faux American like businessman kind of like he's almost like an FBI agent, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Coming yeah. in and it's he's showing you kind of like there's a bit in a lab where they're talking about how PlayStation was made. And it's it's a two scientists testing on rats, and one has been injected with PlayStation games, and one has been injected <laughs> with regular games, and the PlayStation one is like spinning around and then explodes. It's that bananas kind of like it's just so. Yeah. It knew. Do not that, underestimate the power of PlayStation. Yeah, but I think the thing is, is when you look at Nintendo marketing, it was very much like, well, well, the the SNES is for kids, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's got. And PlayStation was just like, no, this is for absolute batshit bananas, people. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And they've kind of, you touch on it a bit, they've kind of, don't worry, modern PlayStation games are some of my favourite games, but they have they are safer than they've ever been. They know what works. It's these single-player adventure games, essentially. Yeah. And and, and, the, and the documentary then, goes into why that yeah. why it happens, right? Exactly. But yeah, it did it did make me nostalgic for that era where you'd have something like Vibrib and Parappa. Even first Resident Evil Metal Gear was just so different at the oh, time. Yeah, but, like yeah. I know, I know that kind of that first Resident Evil has obviously got like a little bit of link back to Alone in the Dark, which obviously has that mm-hmm. kind of file. But when you think about like at that time, there was nothing like Metal Gear Solid. Nothing like you know that part of the documentary has kind of Sean Layden talking about how important Final Fantasy VII was. You know, that was a huge kind of leap forward um, for, for those kind of console RPGs. And yeah, it was an era where your game library would just be nothing like anything that anyone that had a SNES or an N64 would be. It yeah. was so, so wild and experimental. Yeah, check it out if you've got the time. Uh, There's also a written version if you prefer to read it, the Matt's done. But yeah, iGen and YouTube, how the PlayStation changed everything. Dun, dun, dun. I was just going to briefly talk about True Detective because I'm rewatching season one, and I couldn't believe that it's, it's almost ten years since that came out. Where has the time gone? Yeah. 2014, it was out. Ridiculous. Uh, halfway through it, because I'm kind of doing some research ahead of Alan Wake two, and this is quite obviously one of their massive touchstones, mm-hmm. and um, it's still excellent. Still, arguably the best single season of television. It's very good. Like I forgot just how good. And I know at the time it was massive because he'd kind of gone missing, but how good McConaughey is in mm-hmm. this is is mm-hmm. like Harrelson's very good, but McConaughey just steals like every it's scene. Because He's so good. It's like I'm, a, you know, I don't, I don't think McConaughey is a method actor, is he? But like, it's almost like the, it feels like the sort of role you go method for. It's got a lot mm-hmm. of that, like a man that's going through a real weird time of his life and just sort of like everything's kind of broken him and he's gone this kind of like weird spiritual journey to rebuild himself. Oh, it's just impeccably done. Mm-hmm. The, the tone of it is amazing. Have you watched True Detective, Jesse? No, I have Sort it out. Eight episodes that first season. Mm. Watch it. Season two, like season one is, I think, undeniably a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like a masterpiece to me. Season two, I like it more than other people. Like, I think it's okay. Like a six maybe. Um, season three again though I think is fabulous like amazing I don't I never use the word fabulous I never use the word fabulous, <laughs> fabulous. It's, it's amazing um, like I'd give that like an eight or nine I feel like not enough people watched it just because two was such a fall off it soured the oh, taste like, but, so that's what I remember hearing um, cause but they're all completely unconnected stories as well is, so like is the creative team solid across all of them is it the same people that I think work it was on the them. same writer obviously it was Kerry Fukunaga who directed season mm, yeah. one but he didn't direct 
than he didn't direct three. I don't know about two. Is, is it's it, the same right? Is put is it Nick Palazzo? Is it such a is massive drop off in quality though? It's just by comparison. Like they made one of the all time great seasons of television, and then the one that followed up just wasn't as good. It was, it was absolute. It was meh. It. Okay. You know, I would I recommend if if. I'd probably recommend watch one and then watch three because I think three is really, really good. Like Mahershala Ali in three is unbelievable. Mm. Like he has to play like three different time periods of the same person and does it amazingly. How um because um, I've I've watched uh I think both seasons of Mindhunter. How different is Mindhunter compared um, to True Detective? True Detective is more well, it's not based in anything real life, so you're not going to get like the little cameos of Manson and people <laughs> in it. Um, it's got True that, Detective is a better show, I'd say. Okay. It's got a wow. similar sense of depth and darkness to it, I'd say. Yeah, that's but, good. Um, but there's, it's definitely a more dramatic show, isn't it? True Detective. Yeah. Whereas like Fincher in Mindhunter is probably more focused on the killers and the victims. Yeah. This is more focused on these two detectives and more of like this place like the and it has some weird almost allegorical like otherworldly weirdness okay. to it at times as well i don't it's just unbelievable it's only eight episodes as well like that's not get bad it done. it's so good um yeah it's only because all the antler imagery and alan wait too and the mm. fbi detectives i was just thinking this well, is very uh yeah i have to good. i have to get past the meg two tonight first and then i'll give, <laughs> give the meg two the trailer played before we watched Oppenheimer, and it looks so stupid. I was just like, might as well. I can't imagine watching the Meg 2 trailer before Oppenheimer. <laughs> I know. That sets you in the mood, doesn't it? We need to go see Oppenheimer, mate. You haven't seen it yet. Not yet, to, no. Maybe we'll find time next week. It, Doubt it. But, yeah. It's all that all that Gamescom. It's Gamescom, Gamescom, Gamescom. Oh, God, that's so neat. Don't, don't. Why did you have to mention that word? Um, <laughs> why don't I mention these two words? The Endless Search. <gasps> That was three. Yeah, that was idiot. <laughs> Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, 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 and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? We have been sent in quite a few endless search, and we are always grateful for that. We will get around to some of them, but we can only do one at a time. So this week, we've got one from a name that may be familiar to you, Max. I know it sent you into tears. From Alex Vasquez, who says, Howdy, y'all. It's Alex, survivor of the trauma from the holiday sandwich special. Oh, no. This is the Chicago sandwich. <laughs> it is. If, you've, if you're a new listener or you've never listened to our... 2020 Christmas Day special, which oh, is all about sandwiches. I've yet to do then that. This was the final story from this, which um, sent me, Matt and Joe, into actual tears. So uh, I'd always recommend listening to that. Um, but anyway, Alex says, I'm writing to report that as of December 2022, I'm a father. Hey. I'm the sweetest little boy and couldn't be happier to finally a dad. He's only seven months, but can't wait to start playing games with him. That being said, I'm struggling to choose which game he should play as his first. The first game I remember playing was Kirby's Block Ball on my Game Boy Pocket. It's not a good game, but I have very fond memories of it. I'd love for my little guy to have the same memories. Do I pivot to newer games? Should I show him some of my favourites? The options are endless. I'd love to hear what you think. So this is just a quick question before the endless search that Alex is setting in. I'm always a fan of Mario as a first game. Yeah. Um, 
whether you go back to original Mario for the basics or just go in with Super Mario Odyssey, which is just, uh, in my eyes, the perfection mm. of the format. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I, w- I would say definitely go for... Because I didn't really play a lot of games like Mario when I was a kid. I was much more like Monkey Island. And so actually... And people find... like Sometimes I talk to people and they find this a bit weird, but I actually find Mario can be quite tricky because... And I 2D think it's Mario, largely, for sure. Yeah. But I think part of that is like if you're bought up on, on Mario yeah. or, or at least platformers, something like Rayman that's kind of, you know, that's got like a little bit of the tricky kind of precision to it. I think if you can get on that at an early age and like you you, you grow up and you, you're trained in that, then you'll be fine with platformers for the rest of your life. I wasn't, yeah. so I suck at them. Yeah. <laughs> but you're good at choice-based adventures mm. and RPGs. Yeah, just make so them play Baldur's go. Gate first. It's that simple. Yeah, Baldur's Gate 3, first game ever. <laughs> Dark Urge, simple. Uh, yeah. Too much nudity for a child, and that I would suggest. Anyway, Alex has sent in a version of The Endless Starch, which we haven't played in a long time. If you don't remember what this one is, it's basically, I think there's one, two, I've picked out eight of the suggestions Alex sent in here. Um, And basically, they're all game names that have had one letter changed, and you have to work out what that new game name is based on the clue that's been given i think my example for this one is always um an open world game set in south florida is it south florida I don't know. open world game set in florida where rodents have overrun the town and it's grand theft auto my Mice. city there we go I'm there's so shit at this game man. it's oh, unbelievable well there's eight of them here so there's a clue and then there's like a second kind of like clue just in case you're not getting off the first. It's a point each, just first to shout out, get some. So the first one is, some of these are generous clues, so I won't worry too much. <laughs> Join Marth and Roy and a bunch of other sword-wielding nerds as you do anything and everything to anger and piss off the denizens of Elios in the latest entry in the storied RPG franchise. Say that again. Join Marth... I'll... I'll, I'll Okay. Join Marth and Roy and a bunch of other sword-wielding nerds as you do anything and everything to anger and piss off the denizens of Elios in the latest entry of this franchise. Oh. So you've probably got the f- series. Yeah. Can you remember yeah. what the most recent didn't <laughs> one it, of them Didn't it was come called? out this year? Uh, was it? I think I'm in January. Oh, Fire Emblem Enrage? It is. There we go. There we go. The game was yeah. engaged. So there we go. One point to Jesse. I should probably keep a tally of this, which I'll do now. Right. Second one. Join the galaxy's greatest bounty hunter as she descends on planet Pan to find the elusive Choso Chibata recipe. (laughs) That must be, I don't know what that is, but there we go. Join the galaxy's yeah. greatest bounty hunter. She descends on planet Pan to find the elusive Choso Chibata recipe. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> oh, this is... I'm guessing Metroid Bread. This... It is oh, Metroid Bread. Shit. There That's we go. Good. He's got it. One one. Damn. <laughs> Metroid uh, Bread is so goofy. Third one. Join Chai as you hurry to install. Yeah, sorry, let me start again. Join Chai as you hurry to install... Ro- Why can't I say this word? <laughs> Join Chai as you hurry to inst- install root... I can't... This is like one of those... Do you ever get a line of B.O.? You can't, like, you can't say a certain word after a syllable. 
Join Charlie Yuhari to install install routers to there beat this go. Xbox surprise release. It's a weird little tongue movement. I wasn't expecting that word. Um, Join Chai's you hurry to Wi-Fi rush. Oh, it is. Thank you so shit. much. So I don't have to say that again. Fuck. Jesus Christ. I don't know. What, going from an L to an R was a problem there. Oh. Hurry to install routers. <laughs> I would <won't> say routers. <laughs> install routers. Why can't I do that? It's oh, weird. Jesus Christ. Okay, two, one to Matt. Five more. Help the newest web slinger as he takes up clerical duties and helps organise medical records for the denizens... Loves the word denizens, Alex. And I, I like the word denizens. Um, anyway, help the newest web slinger as he takes up clerical duties and helps organise medical records for the denizens of Spanish Harlem. Help the newest web slinger as he takes up clerical duty and helps organise medical records. That's probably the only bit. I won't focus too much on the medical. Okay. Uh, there is an extra clue if you need it. Uh, but only if you both agree to trigger it. I know what film is, obviously, but I just can't. Well, it's a game, isn't it? Oh, fuck. They're all games. Okay, I think I know the game, but I could do with the other bit. Yes, I need... agree. With great paperwork comes great responsibility. Well, but that only helps me out with the game. Yeah. <laughs> um... Does it, though? Does it, though? Marvel, uh, Spider-Man... No, that's so so stupid. Piles Morales? <laughs> no, no, but you, you're on the right. You're not miles away. I know that's the game. That um, sounds gross, though, Piles Morales. Yeah, not... <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. You're changing the right thing there. Files Morales? Files. Okay, there files. we go. <laughs> there we go. I, I uh, imagine, like, piles of, like, paperwork, but then... Yeah, yeah, not actual piles. Uh, right. Two all with four to play. It could be a tie. Who knows? Next one. Perfect your calculus, trigonometry, and geometry skills with eight really nerdy heroes in the newest entry in Square Enix's HD, HD sorry, 2D series. Go again. Sorry. Perfect your calculus, trigonometry, and geometry skills with eight really nerdy heroes in the newest entry in Square Enix's HD 2D series. Is it Octomath Traveller? It right. is. It's Ultimate Traveller 2, but I'll right. give it to you. for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give that one. Three, two, to Matt. Three more. Trapes across Hyrule with Marcus Phoenix as you clash chainsaws with hordes of Bokoblin in this gory, magical romp. Uh, do we know who Marcus Phoenix is? Yeah. I'm guessing we do. Yes. Trapes across Hyrule with Marcus Phoenix. That's probably mm-hmm. all you'd need, to be honest. Sorry, can you just repeat that again? Trapes across Hyrule with Marcus Phoenix as you clash chainsaws with hordes of Bokoblin in this gory, magical romp. Is it just the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom? No. I mean, you've not you've literally not yeah. changed the letter. Yeah. You've just changed how you say it. But. I mean, what? where is Marcus Phoenix from? Oh, Gears of the Kingdom. It is Gears <laughs> oh, of the yeah. Kingdom. Three all, two more. Could it be a tie and could everyone go home happy? Here's the question. Test your might against other marsupials in the latest entry in Sydney's greatest fighting game franchise. Ooh, how good's your marsupial fighting game knowledge? Oh, Mortal Wombat. 
It oh, is Mortal, is Mortal Kombat. Kombat 1, maybe. Or yeah, maybe. but I'm giving it to you. Fuck. Right, 4-3 to Matt. Jesse, you can't win, sadly, but you can save the draw of the last one. Join a celebrated pastry chef as he battles his culinary demons and attempts to find a remedy in the sequel to a psychological horror classic. Alan Bake 2. There we go. <laughs> Five three to Matt. Oh, takes it home. I think that's the best Good. I've ever done on that game. You did well enough. I'm happy for you. I, re- I really like the end of Starch. I'm not very good at actually like preparing it. I'm not very good at coming oh, up with it. Oh, it's hard. Them. We've almost run out of games for it, but yeah. thank you, Alex. Enjoyable. Uh, as usual, IGN on school, you can feedback at IGN.com. If you've got any feedback at all, it doesn't have to be in the search games, any feedback about what you've been doing, just let us know, innit? <laughs> Tell us. Yeah, how are uh, you? Yeah, yeah, how's it going? Just let us know how you are. Uh, as we've got here from three more people. Matt, what we got? This one's from Steve K, who says, Hey guys, I've listened for over 10 years, Jesus. but this is my first wow. time writing in. <laughs> Following on from your discussion about things that ruined your cinema experience, I have a story of my own. When Dunkirk came out, I took my dad to see it. We went to a daytime showing a couple of weeks after it released, and as I'd hoped, we had the entire cinema to ourselves. Bliss. Five minutes before the film started, a woman came in with a very elderly man. Maybe her dad or even granddad. He looked like he may well have been on the beach of Dunkirk himself, and it made me smile that they'd both come to watch the film together, just as my dad and I had. What a lovely story this is. Let's let's end it there. (laughs) That was until they decided to sit right next to us, leaving one empty seat between us. Who does that? So when I went to see Asteroid City, someone fucking did this. Me and my girlfriend were sat down, and then someone sat one seat apart from us in an entirely empty cinema. It's like, fucking go anywhere else, mate. It's good fun. Um, the, the entire Look, cinema... I apologise. I apologise for it, but I just wanted to be close to you. <laughs> <laughs> the entire cinema was free, and they sat next to us. Okay, fine, I thought. Maybe they just really wanted those particular seats. The film started, and within a few minutes, the elderly man began to cough. Not a hacking cough that suggested that he was unwell, but more of the kind of cough that you get if you have a dry throat. A nervous cough, maybe. And it didn't stop. In fact, he coughed and cleared his throat loudly, pretty much constantly, every two minutes or so, for the entire film. Halfway through, I considered grabbing my dad and moving to the other side of the cinema, but thought it would be so obvious why we were moving, and despite how annoying the coughing was, I didn't want to make an elderly man or the woman he was with feel embarrassed or self-conscious. I would have moved. <laughs> I would have done it. Absolutely. Suffice- Gone behind them so they didn't have to see me. Yeah. Anymore. Suffice to say, the most poignant moments of the film were somewhat ruined by this, and genuinely put me off going to the cinema for a while. I've since watched Dunkirk in the safety of my own home, and it's one of my favourite Nolan films. But to this day, whenever I watch it, I hear the echoes of this man's coughing <laughs> in the back of my mind. Love the podcast and all of you. All the best from Steve. Thank you, Steve. That's, that's tragic. I, I would, I, that would annoy mm. me. To be fair, when I saw Dunkirk, it was so loud, I don't think I would have heard <laughs> anyone coughing. But um, if they sat next to you, you probably yeah. would. Would you have moved? Uh, so I have moved in the cinema before. When I went to see Mother... There was, oh, um, and, and this was the point where they weren't next to us; they were in the row in front of us. But mm. you know, obviously, not every film is for everyone. But these four guys, you know, a very like I'd say the eldest one was probably in his late fifties, right down to someone 
in kind of their 20s. I got the impression like a group that had gone out from work maybe rather than a family. And they clearly didn't didn't get and was not interested in it. But instead of just getting up and leaving, they just like complained all the way through it. So <laughs> me and weird thing to do. Me and the couple of friends I was with, we just got up and behind us was the premier seating, which obviously mm. very few people go into because it's what two quid extra to go in premier yeah. seating at Odeon. So we just went and sat up there. You were, oh, you're such a rebel. <laughs> That's such a dice roller, uh, a dexterity check. Oh, from you, clearly. Yeah. I was yeah, I was yeah. so worried before we watched um, for me and my partner watched Oppenheimer because we saw Barbie in the morning uh, talk to me in the afternoon and then Oppenheimer in the evening and just seeing a bunch of people online say you know people on their phone taking pictures while watching Oppenheimer and shit it's just like I I, I think I'm I think I'm really over going to the cinema unless it is for nah. like one maybe specific film in the year that really really. Need Nothing to- beats it. But I'm a snob and only go to like three different screens that I know people are relatively well behaved at. Yeah. 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 And I'll never, I'll never stop sitting in a cinema <laughs> seat. You'll never stop me. Uh, I've got an email from Gary Fields who says, Hi, IGN UK podcast team. First time, long time, etc., etc. I look forward to the podcast every week as I enjoy listening to your chats while I go running. Since the key to running is to be distracted by what you're listening to, you don't realise how truly miserable running is. So thank you <laughs> for that. I'm glad we are a distraction. I've recently been trying to improve my Spanish, and I know one of the best ways to learn a new language is to immerse yourself in it. Despite living in a very Latinx neighbourhood in Chicago, I'm still struggling with making it part of my daily life, so I thought I'd maybe try playing a video game in Spanish. I booted up a very neglected and very incomplete uh, incomplete save of Far Cry 6, and switched all the dialogue and UI, including menus, to Spanish. Firstly, the game is infinitely better in Spanish. Although I'm missing out on Giancarlo Esposito's performance, everything feels significantly more authentic and appropriate for the Cuban-inspired country of Yara. The game even has an extra layer of challenge that was previously missing and much needed, as navigating the bizarrely implemented faux RPG elements is much more difficult when you only understand half of what you're reading (laughs) in the menus. Strangely enough, my Duolingo Spanish courses prioritise teach me words like airport and dinner over more important things like armour-piercing bullets. <laughs> With that being said, have you ever put similar limitations on yourself while playing a game in the name of immersion or for some other reason? Whether it's something like changing the entire language of a game or actually observing the day-night cycle in Red Dead 2 and eating meals at regular times. This is something I find myself doing often and I want to know if anyone else does it and how it affects your experience with certain games. If any, Also, if anyone on the podcast is bilingual or trilingual, etc., pass along your tips for learning new languages. Keep up the excellent work, and I I don't speak Spanish. Uh, Jesse, you speak a little bit of Spanish, right? You, you pronounce it. Uh, Irrespeta el mar. Which there we is go. To see, there you go. From Gary from Chicago. Um, I often think this. Like, I am a firm believer. Like, when I'm watching a film, I'm always like subs over dubs. Absolutely. Like, I'm, like I'm never never gonna watch a dub film. I want the subtitles, and I'll watch it in the language it's intended to. With games, though, I never like never do I put on like a Japanese game and go. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this in you know with. I'd have the text in English, but you know like the yeah. actual voice acting mm. in Japanese, like Yakuza or something like that. I'll choose the English version. Mm. I do wonder why that is. I don't know if it's because playing a game is much more active and I don't have that extra level of brain is, power to is, on top of it. As someone who's done it, it is harder. So um, I actually, the first um, uh, Plague Tale game, I found the voice acting so bad that I switched it into French. Um, mm-hmm. And that was the initial reason. 
And then I realize it does give you a more authentic sort of atmosphere to that game. But when you're trying to have a bit of combat or you're trying to get past, a, you know, a particularly, you know, that's a lot about sneaking around and solving puzzles. It's much more difficult to keep up with what the kind of idle chatter is in that. And obviously in certain games, idle chatter particularly in something like The Last of Us, you know, if you imagine playing The Last of Us in a different language, a lot of the idle chatter is what builds the characters out. And it mm. is harder to keep up with that when you're concentrating on getting through like a stealth section or something. Um, yeah. But I've done, I did, um, I played, the first time I played Sekiro, I did that in Japanese. Mm. Much less kind of like idle chatter or anything like that in Sekiro, obviously, so mm. that's easier. And I tried um, Ghost of Tsushima in Japanese as well, um, very quickly switch back to English. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've never really done it. I think the, the, the first time I ever, like, sort of figured out, like, holy shit, this voice acting is dreadful, was a uh, Dragon's Dogma. I switched to Japanese instantly just because right. there's so much repeated dialogue, like, the goblins are here. And it's just like, <laughs> they say that all the fucking time, switch to Japanese. But um, I think when I play games like uh, Yakuza or Stalker, um, I'm usually playing in the respective languages just because it adds to the immersion and i i have subtitles for absolutely everything that i watch or play anyway so i'm used to like darting my eyes reading dialogue and whatnot it's just what i'm comfortable mm -hmm. with yeah that's it's fair enough i was gonna oh i had one there oh i have occasionally just because it's funny and just because sometimes they're so grinding like in fifa just switched it to a different country's uh, commentators just because i can't bear <laughs> some of the nonsense that lee dixon comes out with or whatever you have to listen to so and sometimes you get the very funny ones where they just go absolutely crazy for a goal and stuff so that's always fun um but yeah i've never really done it for a proper story mm. game yeah, as for tips to learn language, I don't really have. I haven't learned a new language in over 10 years, so I'm sorry. But immersing yourself, always a good way. Yeah. Duolingo's fun, though, isn't it? Mm. So, yeah. Keep at it. That's my... Uh, <laughs> That's so my, sincere uh, sounding. I know. I know. I'm very <laughs> tired. Uh, Jesse, what have we got? Cool. This is from uh, Salman Hamid. He says, Hi, gang. Long time, first time, and all that. Smiley face. Really enjoy the podcast, though slightly concerned the food chat's fallen away. Perhaps a result of all the juicy film slash TV slash games content. Mm. Bring back the snack chat, though. It goes on to say... What? I was just going to say, like, yeah. have you got any hot snack uh, chat recently? Have you tried those Burger King Whopper-flavoured um, Doritos? No, I keep seeing the adverts and they're so fucking annoying. I tried I, I tried them. Uh, they okay they just kind of taste a little bit beefy with a little bit of a pickly uh after after taste i'll just have burger yeah. king like if, I, if i'm really yeah, desperate I, the thing is i don't eat burger king so i don't know i think I, I, honestly i think i prefer if they burger king for me is like a it's like an airport thing if there's a burger king in mm -hmm. an airport i'll always i get it have it but i won't i won't ever go out my way here Oh yeah, no, no, I have no, a Burger King. no one's going for a sit down meal at burger king <laughs> they like for a treat <laughs> i mean you know you never know you but, might yeah. There we go. There's a bit of snack chat. Any hot snack chat from you, Matt? No, no but you? in regards to that kind of like crisps that taste like fast food, I do remember, was it a couple of years ago, they did KFC flavoured walkers. They were mm. massively disappointed. Didn't taste anything yeah, like they KFC. Didn't taste, no, I remember the hot version being okay. But yeah, the, mm. mund, the, the standard one, no, no. Middle of the road. Anyway, sorry. What else have we got in the email? Sal goes on to say, wanted to drop a mail to you guys to echo your sentiments on Barbenheimer. Loved both me and my wife done the double header in one day, Barbie first, if you're wondering, and had a great time. Agree with Cardi's comments on last pod that Barbie was the first time I've had a genuine good time at the cinema for a while. And my immediate reaction at the end of our double header was I had more fun watching Barbie. Well, it's definitely more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> like <laughs> Barbie was 
fantastic. One's a better film, one's much more fun. Yeah, Oppenheimer made me feel genuinely sad after watching yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah, it will do. Yeah. Also want to touch on an aspect of the soundtrack that is underrated, and that is Billie Eilish's What Was I Made For? After 007's No Time To Die, I make that two for two for Billie and beautiful Madonna melodic almost haunting performances i hate her mainstream music wow but these are certified bangers are there any artists that have a magic touch when it comes to movie soundtrack songs or are the great original soundtracks from movies well there you go respect the godfather and respect the sea sound do respect do respect the godfather um i like i, I quite like billy Eilish anyway but i do i do agree that song is very good very much remind me of the uh, jesse song from toy story 2 that sort of moment <laughs> it'll bring you close to tears yeah speaking of toy story i would say actually i never listen to randy newman i don't care about randy newman but when randy newman is in toy story boy does it work mm, so true. maybe that's my example of that um but yeah uh, yeah i don't, I don't really have any specific uh artists that are like yeah os my specific movie soundtracks i mean i like when howard shaw does a soundtrack but that's not really a question um but yeah yeah well, there we go maybe people can write in ign on school uk feedback at ign.com let us know about that let us know if you're enjoying Baldur's gate what sort of any funny stories from the first few hours of playing we'd love to know them uh god knows what we speak about next week i, I can't even tell you what's coming out so my head's gone just gone. Uh, <laughs> what music can we have, though? Uh, I mean, should we just play that Billy Eilish song? Why not? A real sad outro yeah. to the podcast. Yeah, that's why not. Why not? Why not? Uh, I hope everyone, if you're playing, has a lovely week mm-hmm. in Baldur's Gate. There we go. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I used to flow. Now I just fall down I used to know But I'm not sure now What I was made for What was I made for Welcome You've got the Monsters lurk in the shadowy corners of the internet. Our darkest fears peer back at us from the depths of the web. We can all... Hey, holy... Hey, Linda Blair. Are you all right? No. Can we maybe do this a different tone? Hey there, I'm Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. On our podcast, Digital Folklore, we explore monsters, memes, and everything in between. Looking at our digital expressions through the lens of folklore, we break down the stories and communities we create online. And we try to make it a lot of fun. The show is presented in an audio drama style with a narrative and soundscape that's designed to draw you in. We weave insightful research and expert interviews with humor and storytelling. Come check it out. Search Digital Folklore wherever you get your podcasts.